Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I'm thankful for the truth of God's word tonight. His truth is marching on. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. This is the highlight of my day, to be in the house of God. And so we are grateful for each and every one of you taking time to put the Lord first. I found out a long time ago, you put God first, everything else falls into place. So thank you so much for your faithfulness. We just love all of you so very much. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open Read from the book of Matthew, the 14th chapter, and we're going to begin at the 34th verse, and we're going to read down to verse number 36, Matthew 14 and 34. As you're turning there, we want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd, give honor to all the ministry, and so thankful that my family's with me tonight. Thankful Shiloh's feeling good. He's not feeling bad no more. He's feeling good. Huh? And so we just love this church so very much. Grateful for your kindness and hospitality. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 34. It says, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Here Jesus comes to Gennesaret. The Bible says, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, and they besought him. I want to speak to us tonight on this subject, when his proximity generates urgency. When his proximity generates urgency. Can we lift our voices together? Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we can already feel your presence moving in this sanctuary. God, we are asking for a special blessing to come down on this Wednesday night. Lord, would you open the windows of heaven. God, would you open up the floodgates, pour out blessings that cannot even be contained. God, let this word encourage, empower, and equip. God, we give you all praise, give you all glory and all honor. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, 
Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, it can be said that much of our lives consist of monotonous and repetitious tasks. When you consider that we spend nearly a third of our life simply sleeping, then when you factor the hours we spend working a job, going to school, running errands, washing dishes, mowing the lawn, sometimes you're just trying to make it through the day because you know there's another day waiting on you. And yet through all of the monotony, There are these moments and there are these times that something rare and uncommon can take place. Yet one of the hardest things in life is to know when to take advantage of the window of opportunity. Sometimes you don't know what is being presented to you before it is too late. And every now and then, It is not because of anything that we plan, anything that we organized or we design. But there's an old saying that says this, you were just in the right place at the right time. Not anything that you purposed, not anything that you set up, you were just in the right place at the right time. And when we open up the Word of God, we find this being played out over and over again. In Luke, the fifth chapter, we find Jesus ministering to the people. And as he is teaching and preaching, the crowd begins to get larger. And the longer he preaches, the bigger the crowd becomes. And it's almost overwhelming as the crowd began to press closer and closer to where Jesus was at. Jesus was standing and he was preaching not far from the water. And he looks over during a sermon and he sees a boat nearby. And he instructs his disciple to go with him. And they get on board this boat, go out in the water just a little bit. And he begins to preach to the people from the boat. And sometimes you have to look real close, but there are ministries in the Scripture that oftentimes go overlooked. But Jesus was able to go out on the boat and still do ministry. Come on, Brother Darrell. There's boat ministry for somebody here tonight. God just needs to help you. huh? Maybe there's a cruise ministry. Somebody feels led of the Lord to follow. huh? And Jesus, he's preaching and he's doing it from the boat. And so he finishes his sermon, and he concludes his message. And he then turns to the man with him, Simon Peter. And he says, let's go further out on the water. And so they begin to go further and further out until finally Jesus tells him emphatically, let's launch out into the deep. And so they get further and further away from land. And Jesus takes a moment and he turns to Peter and he says, Well, you need to take this net and cast it on the other side. I'm not sure if uh, Peter, what he was thinking in that moment, because the Bible tells us that he was a fisherman by trade. Uh, This is what he did, not just in this pastime, 
he wasn't just fishing as a hobby or as something to do to relax, but this is how he made his living. And the Word of God tells us that the night before, he had fished all night long. And he had caught nothing. Uh, this was somebody that knew how to catch fish. Uh, this was not a novice or an amateur. This is somebody that knew the tips to use. He knew every trick of the book that there was. And yet, no matter how hard he tried... For some reason, he was unable to catch anything. And Jesus turns to him and says, the answer's real simple. Just take your net, throw it on the other side of the boat. And I just have to wonder for a moment if Peter just thought to himself, now, brother, you're not a fisherman. Uh, you a carpenter, and I'm a fisherman. And you're telling me the answer's, oh, ever so easy. Just take your net, throw it on the other side. So Peter very reluctantly says, Now, Master, we've toiled all night long, and we are frustrated, and we are agitated, and we're aggravated because we haven't caught anything. And you're telling us that all we have to do is take our net and put it on the other side. He said, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down this net. Sometimes his word doesn't always make sense. But when you just respond to the word, in the moment, you may not put all the pieces together. But if you can just reply to the word of God, it will pay you dividends far beyond what we can imagine or comprehend. Because Peter took that net and just as sure as it hit the water, that net began to shake and he reaches over and he pulls it up. And as he pulls it up, there is a bunch of fish in that net. And he takes it and he puts it on board the boat. And he drops the net again, pulls it up. And to his amazement, there are another multitude of fish. And he does it again and again and again. And if you've been around anybody that fished before, you know that there are such things as fishermen's stories. Come on, somebody. Come on, elders. I need you to help me right now. And every once in a while, my sister-in-law told Ashley's mom once, she said, you are pulling into exaggeration station. And somebody starts telling you about their fishing adventures. Just be cautious because somebody's liable to just add a little bit to the story. And Peter, I'm trying to imagine myself as Peter is retelling the story to everybody who was not in the boat in the moment. And Peter is retelling this story and he says, you know we didn't catch anything all night long, but Jesus told me to let my net down on the other side. Would you believe as soon as I let my net down, we started catching fish over and over again. So many fish that my net started to break. Okay, I might buy that. Uh, that's a lot of fish, but oh, it's not impossible that you catch so many fish that your net's starting to break. But then to be there when he tells the next part of the story. We were catching so many fish that the boat started sinking. 
Hello, somebody. You catch a so many fish at the boat started sinking. And it, it, it was so many fish that I called over to my buddy. And I said, come over here. I found the right spot to catch fish. That's a little red flag right there. Because when you find a spot when you're catching all the fish, you don't tell nobody about it. Come on. And the other boat comes over. And we start loading his boat. And we load his boat to capacity that their boat started sinking. Your nets started breaking. And your boat started sinking. That sounds like somebody is exaggerating the story. And to everybody else, that may have been exactly what they thought. But when Peter was there, he could tell you emphatically, I know you think I'm stretching the truth. You, you may think that I'm going a little above and beyond what really happened. But I'm telling you, we were in the water, and all Jesus said to do was throw the net over. And we caught so many fish. The nets broke, and the boat sank with so many fish. That is kind of a unique miracle that's really unlike a lot of the other miracles that Jesus performed when we read about miracles from Jesus uh, to me I start thinking about the blind man that got his eyesight restored when we start listing the miracles of Jesus I think about the ten lepers that were healed uh, not far from Samaria. When we start talking about the miracles of Jesus, uh, we start thinking about the man who was deaf and mute. And Jesus touched his tongue and touched his ears and his mouth was opened up and his ears were open and he could hear. When you start talking about miracles, your first thought isn't a great fishing trip as the greatest miracle. So I began to look flip through the Gospels. That's such a eccentric and peculiar miracle to happen in Gennesaret. And so I started studying. Well, what other miracles happened when Jesus went to Gennesaret? Maybe there were other stories of people coming back to life. Or maybe there were stories of lame men beginning to walk. Or maybe, maybe it was in Gennesaret when he broke the five bread, five loaves of bread and the two fish, and 5,000 people were filled. And when I read through all of the examples, I found out that the only other time that Jesus went to Gennesaret was in our text. In Matthew chapter 14 and in Mark chapter 6, which is the same story just told from a different gospel. And so Jesus goes to a place where really little is known and not much is said. But the next time that Jesus comes to Gennesaret, notice what happens. As soon as Jesus steps on the shore to Gennesaret, the word of the Lord tells us the men from all over the city gathered together and they ran from every part of the town and they besought him. Everybody that was sick, those that were uh, suffering in their body, 
those that had diseases, those that had incurable ailments. As soon as Jesus stepped on the, on the dirt of Gennesaret, they ran from all over and they besought him doing the same thing. They all tried to touch the hem of his garment. Now, Bible readers, I want to preach to you for a minute. I only know of one story throughout all the Word of God that talks about touching the hem of His garment. Huh? How does that story go? It goes with the woman that had an issue of blood that spent all of her money on physicians, all of her money on doctors and specialists, and instead of getting better, she got worse. And no, now... Her money was gone. Her bank account was emptied. All that she saved for, all that she had set aside had been spent. And yet she still had this condition. And so when she was sitting, just minding her own business, somebody tells her that Jesus is coming by. And she decides no matter what I've got to do, I've tried everything else there is to try. I've got to go and I've got to touch him. And so she goes to where a crowd is gathered around. And she gets down on her hands and her knees. And she maneuvers her way through this crowd of people. She's pushing people out of the way and elbowing people in the side. And, and as she's moving her way through this crowd, Jesus is ever so close. And so in this moment of desperation, she reaches out and she touches just a piece of his clothes. And as soon as she touches him, Jesus stops and says, somebody just touched me. And the disciples said, Jesus, there's, there's all kinds of people around. Everybody's touching you. Somebody's always brushing up against you. And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about necessarily a physical touch. Somebody touched me and virtue left out of my body. There's something different when you really touch the master. There's something that is distinct. There is something uh, about it. When you touch the Savior, everything else stops. Huh? And so here's this woman that touched Jesus and got a miracle. It wasn't long ago uh, we were in a particular service. And in this service there was a lady that came in. And uh, she wore this bandana on her head. And I hadn't seen her in any of the services before. And uh, so we got to where the altar call was about to be given. And I noticed that she was one of the first ones to come down to the front. And as soon as she hit the altar, she started praying and crying and calling out to God. And so I, I kind of stepped to the side and asked the pastor, I said, do you know who this is that came down to the altar? He said, no, I'm going to talk to her the first chance I get. And so the altar call ended. And this woman came to where the pastor was standing. She said, I, I want to thank you for your service that you had today. She said, I've been looking for a church like this. And he said, oh, really? She said, yes. I, it's been years and years since I've been to church. She said, I, I'm kind of ashamed and embarrassed to tell you that I've went so long without going to church. She said, but I'm originally from 
Louisiana. She said, when I was a little girl, my grandmother took me out to this place where they set up this great big tent. And this preacher got up and started preaching and started hollering and screaming. She said, at first I thought it was kind of crazy because his face was beat red and he was being so loud and almost obnoxious. She said, but I remember people started coming down to the front when he finished his sermon. And he started laying his hands on their head. And I watched as people got healed. Someone that was on crutches threw their crutches in the air and started dancing. She said, I didn't have a whole lot of experiences with church growing up. But I always remember that. She said, a few months ago, I had a diagnosis of cancer. It's a stage four cancer. She said, I'm wearing this bandana because the first problem was I noticed there was this growth on the side of my head. She said, I was so embarrassed because of it. She said, so I went to the doctor and he said, oh, we need to get you seen immediately. So they started running the test and made the diagnosis of the cancer and told me that it was a tumor on the side of my head. She said, it's really, really bothered me because the tumor is growing. Growing almost double in size in the last few months. She took off her bandana and showed us about the size of a tennis ball on the side of her head. And so the pastor, myself, we start talking to her about being baptized in Jesus' name and being healed and the power that comes in the Holy Ghost and the pastor just very briefly said, I, we want you to be healed. But more than you being healed, we want you to be saved. If we could get you saved, then that can fall into second place. But he said, I just want to let you know I've seen in services before. People get baptized in Jesus' name and God heals them. He said, now I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen to you. But I've seen God do it time and time again. And she said, I, I'm ready. I, I've already repented. I've asked God to forgive me and cleanse me. And so the pastor got her ready along with some of the saints and got her to be baptized. And so we were there. She came down and went in the water. And the pastor prayed over her and in the name of Jesus and, and baptized her. And when she came out, she had her hands raised as she was talking in other tongues. God had completely filled her with the Holy Ghost. She said, I felt something. God's done something for me. So, uh, like so many churches that we go to, we leave. Uh, we don't know what happens after that. It just so happened that one of the members in the church called me the next Sunday. And it was Sunday afternoon in between our services and uh, said if I remembered that woman from last week that came and got baptized in the service. She, she said she was wearing a bandana on her head. I said, oh, yes, I, I remember. And they said, I, we got to tell you what happened today. Sunday morning service, we started and she came in, the same woman that was there last week. And it came time for prayer, and, and she kind of just raised her hand for a minute and said, Pastor, I don't want to be out of line or anything, but I need to share something with the church. 
And he said, all right, go ahead. And she said, well, last week uh, I told the pastor and the guest preacher what was going on. She said, I want to tell the rest of the church that I had stage four cancer. And some of you saw there was a, a little growth on the side of my head. She said, I had an appointment uh, this past Thursday with a specialist to try to figure out what treatment needed to be done next. And she said, I was sitting there and he was examining me. And he said, ma'am, have you noticed anything strange? She said, well, I don't know. I'm feeling really good. And he said, did you do anything out of the normal this past weekend? She said, well, I don't think. She said, well, I did go to church. He said, that must have been one church you went to visit. Why? He said, have you not felt your head lately? She said, she took her bandana off and that tumor had completely disappeared. Size of a tennis ball, it was completely gone. She said, they're running a few more tests to make sure. She said, but I'm standing here one week later and I'm cancer free. She said, I don't know exactly what happened to me. Would you believe she started winning people to God one right after another? And it was the same report every time. God healed me of cancer. God took away the growth on the side of my head. God removed that tumor that was on me. I got a feeling the same way that that happened to that woman is the same thing that happened in Mark chapter 5 to this woman with the issue of blood. When she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment, I just have to wonder if she started telling everybody she came in contact with. If Jesus ever comes to your town, if Jesus ever walks down your street, if you ever get within proximity, if he's ever in your county, you better clear your schedule. Don't just turn your phone on silent. Turn it off. Sometimes you have to fill in the blank. In Mark chapter 5, God heals this woman. In Mark chapter 6 and Matthew 14, when Jesus walks into town, everybody does the same thing. They try to reach and they try to touch the hem of his garment. That tells me that this woman was talking to people. You better reach out and touch him. If he ever comes by, do whatever you got to do. It may be unorthodox. It may be a little unusual. But if Jesus is anywhere close, you reach out to where he is. You go to where he's at. Do whatever you got to do. Just touch him. Let there be an urgency that rises up. I'm going to touch him. That's exactly what Matthew 14 said. Everybody was healed. Or so I thought. Because I read a little closer. And it took about three times for me to really understand it. Because I read it. And I read it the same way every time. Everybody was healed. But if you look real close. In verse 36. What it says was. As many as touched him were made whole. So in other words, there's an emphasis on everybody that touched him, they were healed. Everybody that touched him that was sick, anybody that touched him that had diseases, anybody that touched him and they were suffering, they were healed. 
But those that were present, they may have watched him. They may have listened to him. They may have been near to him. But those that did not touch him, then I started to wonder. I started noticing, this is in the process of months, God's dealing with me with this message. I started praying, and I started checking my prayer. Because in my prayer time, I'm praying, oh, God, touch me. Oh, God, touch us tonight. Oh, God. Now, hang on. God, he's able to touch us. If the question is if he's able, he's able to touch you and you and you and you and me and the next church and the next congregation and the next state and the next district all in the same moment. But the question is not necessarily can God touch us. The real question is can we touch him. He can, he's got all power in heaven and earth. He spoke the world into existence. He can heal cancer. He can remove tumors and diseases. He can open blinded eyes and unstop deaf ears. But oh, if I, if I can touch him, if I can press through all my problems, if I can press through the troubles of the day, if I can press through all the agony and the trouble that I'm dealing with, no wonder he would speak through the prophet in Jeremiah 29, 13. He said, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. No wonder Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be open. You touch me and you're going to get what you need. See, he's close. He shows up, and you know he's near. You can feel it. No one has to tell you anything different. You can feel the goosebumps, and you can feel the hair standing up on the back of your neck. You can feel the butterflies in your stomach. You can feel the tears well up in your eyes. So many times we just watch as he just walks right on by. But when he's close, whoo, there's something about it when he's close. He can do things that he can't normally do. Huh? When he starts walking by and you know he's there. You know he's in the moment. You know he's just a call away. He's just a prayer away. i got to stop what I'm doing. Don't let me go through the motions, God. Let me to remember that old song that said, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find out he's not too busy to hear your hearts cry. He's not too busy that he doesn't care what's going on in our lives. He cares about your problems. He cares about financial difficulties. He cares about pain in your body. He cares about drama in the family. He cares about tears that we cry, questions we ask, thoughts that we think, but when he walks by, he's not going to just grab you. you got to reach out and touch him. Oh, can we lift our hands to the Lord just for a moment? Oh, I feel his presence here tonight. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Hey, I feel you, God. I want to touch you. 
Hallelujah. Lord, let us touch you tonight. God, let us reach up and touch you. Somebody can touch you. They can be healed. I know somebody can touch you, and they can be delivered. Somebody can touch you. They can be encouraged. Somebody can touch you right now, and they can be blessed. Hallelujah to God. The music's getting ready to come. There's a pastor that I preached for. I was asking him how he got into church and how he got into ministry. And he said, well, I'd been around church a long time. It took me a while to get the Holy Ghost. He said, I'd go to our church and I'd pray and I couldn't seem to get it. He said, I'd go to youth service and I'd pray and couldn't have seemed to get the Holy Ghost. He said, finally, we go to a youth convention. And he said, just so happened they were having a youth congress, one of the very first ones. So the first two nights, man, people praise God and they worship the Lord. And he said, I wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. He said, it was the third night. He said, I knew this was my last chance. If I'm going to get it, i got to get it tonight. He said, so I was with my youth pastor. He looked at me and said, hey, bro, you think you're going to get the Holy Ghost tonight? He said, if I'm the last person in this youth congress, I'm not leaving till I get the Holy Ghost. Guess who was the last person that walked out of the arena of thousands and thousands and thousands of people? He said, they were awful mad they had to wait on me. But when we left, guess who had the Holy Ghost? He said, I got the Holy Ghost because I made up my mind. I'm not missing this chance. I'm not letting this walk by me. I'm not going to do it. Sometimes I want to tell you, the people I've seen get healed and the people I've really seen go up high in the Spirit, the people that really get a special touch of the Holy Ghost, it's the ones that come down to an altar. It's the ones that find a place in their seat and says, you know what, it may be a little longer than normal, but I'm going to pray till something happens. I'm going to pray. When that woman started crawling through the crowd, she probably had all kinds of emotions going on. She probably wondered. She was probably self-conscious. She was probably thinking, what is everybody else going to say about me? But the closer she got to Jesus, the more determined she became. And when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, it was worth it all. Because when he's within proximity, you got to have an urgency that says, I don't know if I'm going to get this chance again. Because when I looked and when I read, as far as we can tell from the Scripture, Matthew 14, Mark 6, is the last time that Jesus ever went to Gennesaret. He only went two times, as far as we know, according to Scripture. So the question is, if Jesus comes again tonight, and if he doesn't come again, are we going to be able to say, I touched him in the last chance I had? The last chance I had to worship God, I touched him. I'm thankful. The last chance I got to come to a sanctuary, I got to touch him. Hallelujah. I'm not saying this is our last time, but if it is, I want to be able to lift my hand and say, I'm thankful. 
there was an urgency in me not to take this service for granted. I touched him. Can we lift our hands to the Lord one more time? Oh, hallelujah, Father, in the name of Jesus, can we stand all across the sanctuary? Father, we feel your presence on this Wednesday night. God, I'm asking you would bless every saint of God. Bless every man and woman. God, would you bless every young person, every teenager. God, let there be a desire. Let there be a hunger. Let there be a passion and a thirst inside of us. God, I want to touch you. God, I want to touch you. God, I want to touch you tonight. I stand in need of a blessing. I stand in need of direction. I stand in need of healing. God, I'm going to reach up. I'm going to call on your name. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to magnify you. Oh, hallelujah. Would you just take a few moments? This altar's open. If you feel more comfortable, you stay where you're at. But I challenge you, reach out and touch him tonight. Reach out and touch him tonight. Reach out and touch him tonight. Woo. Come on, young person. You want the Holy Ghost? You can have the Holy Ghost tonight. But you got to want him. Hallelujah, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.